Well, we are going to be jumping into the story of a young woman named Esther today. And it's, she is one of the, one of the incredible um, heroines that we see in the Old Testament. We're going to use her story as a backdrop for a big question today. Here it is. With the rest of our time, we're trying to answer, how do I unlock impact potential in my life? Now, you probably know that you and I, we have earning potential, how much we can earn over the rest of our life, that we have learning potential, that we have growth potential. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that, you, that we have impact potential, that you and I are on this earth for impact, that if my life was just about me and Jesus, that as soon as I surrendered my life to him, he would have taken me to a much better place. But I'm still here, and you're still here, And we are here for one reason and one reason only, one word, and that's mission. And it's not my mission, it's not your mission, it's not my purpose, it's not your purpose. The purpose that you and I have is being a part of God's mission. God's church doesn't have a mission. God's mission, God's gospel has a church. The question is, how do we unlock it in our lives. So that's what we're going to spend some time, and we're going to be jumping into the story of Esther to help us. Before we do, you can turn to Esther if you have your Bibles, otherwise the verses will be on the screen. I just want to give you a little context so you know a little bit about Esther's story. Scripture tells us a few things. One is that she was a Jew, and that matters because in the Old Testament, God chose a people, and he brought them to the promised land. And over time, because of their disobedience, that nation broke into two, one in the north that was Israel, one in the south that was Judah. And they kept running away from God, and so finally God allowed them both to be conquered. And the last one to be conquered was the nation of Judah, and Jerusalem was decimated, and people were brought east to Babylon. And this book, this story, Esther's story, takes, takes place about 100 years after that, that date, that event. And so all Esther has known as a Jew is being pulled from their home, occupied in a foreign land, and that's all she knows for her people. The other thing that scripture tells us is that um, Esther was adopted, or she was an orphan, and she was adopted by her co- older cousin Mordecai, that somewhere along the way, we don't know what actually happened, but Esther lost her mom and her dad. And so not only is she among a people that are experiencing loss, being away from their home, but, but it's also very personal to her. The last thing we know about Esther is this, is that she was a very beautiful And the reason that matters, the reason that scripture tells us that is because of how it plays into her story. Because when Esther was growing up, there was a king, not of Babylon, Persia conquered Babylon, but there was a king of Persia named Ahasuerus. And and King Ahasuerus was not a good dude. And he did a lot of drinking and he showed off a lot. And and scripture tells us that it was at the end of a 180-day feast that he was really, really drunk, and he made a decree for his then queen to come out and show off her beauty to all of his friends. And when she declined, he banished her for the rest of her life. And when he wakes up the next morning, and when his headache clears, and when he realizes what he's done, he sends out his servants throughout his whole kingdom to go and find him a new queen. And so his servants go out throughout the whole kingdom and they find beautiful young virgins and they bring them to the palace. And every night a new young virgin would go to the king at night and in the morning they would go away and they would only come back if the king delighted in her. And this is where we meet Esther. 
So we pick up in chapter two, verse 17. This is what scripture says about Esther. The king loved Esther more than all the other women. Of all the virgins, she won his favor and devotion so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And Vashti was the, his previous queen that he had, um, that he had banished. And it's tempting at this part in the story to see Esther's story and to want to celebrate with her. Like, really? Out of everyone in the entire kingdom, you were chosen, Esther? That's so incredible. Like, like her story is a beauty pageant. Maybe not Miss America, but Miss Persia, or like Cinderella. But scripture is very clear, and it uses these words. It says, Esther was taken and put into custody. That there was no glass slipper in Esther's story that it was no Cinderella, that Esther was a slave, taken captive because of her beauty and exploited, kept in a palace, maybe not with a chain, but with a crown on her head. And you might be asking the question, why are we starting here? Why can't we just skip to the part where Esther is queen? Because technically that would be true for Esther's story. But if we did that, I don't think we would get a realistic picture of who Esther is and what she came through, what she hung on through. And if we do that, if we're, if we're not careful, when we look at these heroes and heroines of the faith, with, which Esther definitely is, we're tempted to think that somehow what they went through, that it was easier for them, that their circumstances weren't real, that their pain or their fear wasn't real. And because of that, it makes it easier to believe that what God asks them to do, he would never ask us to do. But Esther wasn't superhuman. She was just like you and me. And we'll jump into the next part of her story, but I don't want us to miss what we can learn already. Remember, we're trying to answer one question. How can I unlock impact potential in my life? Here's the first one. Your impact isn't hidden in who you should be. It's right where you are. Your impact isn't hidden in where your story should have brought you. It's right where you are. You see, we can read through Esther's story from cover to cover, and you know what you'll never find? You'll never find Esther actually asking for this. That she did not ask to be queen. She was taken. She did not ask to be adopted. Her parents were just gone one day. She didn't ask for her story as it played out. She just remained willing to stand up in it. Why do I say that? Because some of you here this morning wherever you're watching or joining us, when I said the word impact, you took out your phone. And you are currently unsubscribing from all your Labor Day emails. Home Depot, Bed Bath & Beyond. Or maybe you're hearting something on social media. Because when I say impact, you know that I'm not talking about you. That you can't possibly be talking about my life where I've messed up so much that I'm not even on plan A for God's plan A of of God's plan for my life, not even B or C or D, you've had to make up extra words or extra letters in the alphabet because 26 letters have come and gone. Church, look at me. Your impact isn't hidden in who you should be and where your story should have taken you. It's right where you are. Turn to your neighbor. Come on, I need some help this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. Okay, now turn to your last favorite person and say, he's talking to you too, okay? Your second choice. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to every single one of us. So Esther's queen. But trouble is a brewing. Scripture introduces us to the next character in our story. His name is Haman. 
And scripture is very clear that Haman is wicked. And Haman is second only to the king. Take a look at what happens next. This is in chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. It says, when Haman saw that Mordecai, that's Esther's older cousin, didn't bow down or do obeisance to him, Haman was infuriated. But he thought it beneath himself just to lay on hands on Mordecai alone. So having been told who his people were, Haman plotted to destroy all of the Jews, the people of Mordecai, throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus. Haman, who's second only to the king, tricks the king into setting a decree, making a law in the first month of that year for a date in the last month of that year for the annihilation of the Jews. And when Mordecai finds out, he tears his clothes and puts on sackcloth and ash. But little does Haman know that the new queen is a Jew. Because when she was taken and put into custody, her cousin Mordecai said, don't reveal to anyone your identity. And so now Mordecai goes to Esther and he charges her to say something on behalf of her people. And this is Esther's reply, chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. Here it is. Then Esther spoke and gave him a message for Mordecai, saying, All the king's servants and people know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside his inner court without first being called, there is but one law that all alike are to be put to death. And only if the king holds out his golden scepter to someone may that person still live. I myself have not been called to come into the king for 30 days. What is Esther saying? She's saying, oh no, that's terrible. Haman's planning what? What should we do? Wait, me? You want me to do something? I'm not in a position of authority. I can't even walk into the same room that he's in without being killed. Do you remember what happened to his last queen? This is so important for you and I to catch. When Mordecai sees Esther, he says, you're our only hope. When Esther sees herself, she says, anyone but me. Here's the second thing that we can learn from Esther's story. Here it is. Your impact It doesn't hinge on a lofty position, but a fresh perspective. You see, Esther is stuck lamenting the influence she doesn't have rather than grabbing a hold of what she does. And listen to her cousin's reply to her when he hears what she first said. He said, do not think that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter. But you and your father's family will perish. Who knows? Perhaps you've come to royal dignity for such a time as this. You see, Esther saw herself as just the queen. And that's a dangerous word, just. And it seems silly that she saw herself as just the queen, but you and I, we do it all the time. That I'm just a young person. That I'm just a single person. That I'm just a student. That I'm just a stay-at-home parent. That I'm just an employee. That I'm just whatever you want to fill in the blank. What we're really saying is even though I'm in a position to affect change, I'm not in the position to affect change. We say that because there are people better positioned to affect change or make a difference, I won't. And we say that we don't have enough of what we need in order to do what God is asking us to do. But what if, what if you and I had exactly that? Enough. 
that you may not be the CEO, but you work there, that you may not be the principal of that school, but you're a parent there, what if you are right where you're supposed to be in order to make the difference that you're supposed to make? What if in order to unlock your impact potential, God didn't need to give you a new stage or a new platform or a louder microphone? What if he just gave you the conviction to make the most of what you already have where you already are? Esther was, even if she couldn't see it. And something starts to shift in her. God encourages her. He puts courage inside of her. Here's her response. This ne- these next two verses Esther's completely different. She says, go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, which was the capital, and hold a fast on my behalf. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my maids will also fast as you do. After that, I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. What changed for Esther? It was not her position. It was the perspective of how she saw herself. And I love this last verse. From now until this chapter, Mordecai has been giving the orders, but now Esther stands up and she gives orders to Mordecai and he does everything as she has asked him to. And what is she willing to risk? She's willing to risk it all, everything. Here's the last thing we learned from Esther's life, from her story. Your impact will require you to risk your comfort for someone else's cause. I love Esther's example because when she was thrust into this, it was not in her own timing. She was not prepared. She felt rushed, but she knew that if she stood on the sidelines that people would perish. And she was willing to take the next step, literally, into the king's inner court and risk her life for people that she would likely never meet. And God used her to save an entire nation. And we don't have time to read the rest of the story today, although it is so good. I'd encourage you sometime today, go read it. It might take you six minutes to read from Esther 5 to the rest of the chapter. (coughs) But she was willing to use the influence that she didn't ask for. Remember, Esther never asked for this. She didn't ask to be queen. She didn't ask to be adopted, but she was willing to stand up right where she was. She was willing to use the influence she didn't ask for to benefit the lives of people she would never meet. See, what about us? How do I unlock my impact potential for my life? That's the question that we've been centering around. We've learned that your impact potential isn't out of your reach, that it's not somewhere where your story should have landed you. It's right where you are. It's not in some lofty position that you don't have. It's within your relational influence right where you are. And it probably won't be what's best for you, but what's best for someone else elevating, benefiting someone else. How do I unlock impact potential in my life? Here it is for you and me. We don't need a different story or a bigger stage. We just need to take the next step. You and me, we don't need a different story. We don't need a bigger stage in order to have the impact potential unlocked in us. We just need to be willing to take the next step. See, my, my job as a pastor, our job 
as a pastoral team is to get you ready, all of us, one day we will meet face-to-face with God. And our job is to encourage and to empower you and to help you chase after the dreams that God has put in your heart. Because on that day, I think all of us will answer at least two questions. And our job is to help prepare you for those. The first one will be, what did you do with my son Jesus? The second one will be, how did you choose to spend your life? And my hope, my prayer is that all of us would be able to say on that day, just like Esther was, I gave it all. Every part of me, I held nothing back. I was willing to risk it all. When I think about Esther's story, about her willingness to to stand up and use influence that she didn't ask for, I think about a couple in our church. And this is Jack and Carol Sue Cook. And they've been a part of our church For a while, if you've met them, if you know part of their story, you know that they lost their son Brandon to suicide almost three years ago, October 2, 2018. And it's probably hard for you and I to imagine the deep grief and the pain and the darkness that they walked through. But if you sit down, if you were to sit down and talk with them, they would tell you two things. The first is that even in their grief, even in their sadness, that God's presence never left them. The second is that the community that was around them surrounded them and helped them through these last three years. And over these last almost three years, God has been doing a healing work in their lives and something has started to shift over the last few months where they have felt led to provide the same thing for others that other people did for them, that that community was so important for them as they walked through the season and they wanna be a a part of helping be that or provide that for other people. So now they're stepping out to follow God's leading and launching a monthly group for survivors of suicide that meets monthly at our Muskegon campus. And here are their words. They said, we hope and believe that God can use the pain that we've experienced and the influence that we didn't ask for to provide hope and healing to people who have endured similar pain and maybe even help save lives. They did not want the influence that they have from losing their son, but they are willing to step up into their story, to own it, and to ask God to bring purpose out of their pain. I've talked to some of you recently who... You've walked that journey with your elderly parents and you have loved them well into eternity. And now you see other people doing that and you know how to help. Some of you have battled with um, deep anxiety and, and overwhelming depression and now you see other people struggling with that and you know how to help. Some of you grew up in a home where the only expression of love that you saw was from a broken home. And it took you years, maybe even decades, to stumble into God's love for you and to hear that you actually are a part of a new spiritual family. And now you see little kids running through each of our campuses or students coming, and you can be a voice for them where no one was for you. We all have a story. We all have broken parts of our story. We all have influence that we don't want. And the question is, will we use it? Will we stand up? See, we don't need a different story or a bigger stage. We just need to be willing to take the next step. You might say, Evan, I want to do that. I just don't know what that looks like. 
Let me just take two minutes to be as practical, as helpful as I can. Just three things. The first one is this. Settle into your story. Embrace where you are. That you don't have to be anywhere other than where you are. That God can use you right here. The second is stay where you are. Don't, you're not locked out of influence that you don't have. What influence do you have? What relational influence do you have? And how can you use that to draw people closer? The last one is this. Step out in faith. That you can ask God for courage that you do not possess. I'm sure Esther did. You saw her first response and her second response. Something changed. And we can ask for courage. That courage isn't found in the absence of fear. Courage is found in the presence of fear. That we're afraid, but we do it anyways. And we don't have to let fear's voice in our head be louder than God's voice in our ear. He never called us to be safe or comfortable. He called us to make a difference, to impact the people that he has put around us, that we don't have to go anywhere else. We can stay where we are and use the relational influence that we already have. Some of you, some of you might have a dream of a group just like Jack and Carol Sue. And it's not for next semester or next year, but there's still time that you have influence, that you can invite other people in and you can create a space where it's really easy to take next steps, that you don't have to know everything as a group leader, you just have to be willing to walk with people. And if that's you today, I just encourage you, go to allshores.org groups, register your group, we'll walk with you, you're not alone. Some of you, the thought of actually getting into Christian community and taking off the mask and letting people know where you're really at is terrifying. And there's so many reasons why you could um, wish it away. You're so, we are, we are, we're so busy, our schedules are so jam-packed that there are so many reasons why we shouldn't. But can I just encourage you, if you're, if you're feeling God's prompting today, will you just take a step of faith? And get some other believers around you who know you by name, who can pray for you, who can encourage you. I don't know what your next step is. I don't. But he does. And he wants to speak to you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to unleash you to chase after the dreams that he has put into your heart. And I just don't want to run past this moment. So we're going to spend time. And I just encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Maybe you've never had that happen before. That's okay. That's, that's a, a normative experience, but I'm just telling you, God wants to speak to you, and he has something for you today. And so let's pray together, church. God, we look to you today. We're so thankful for having spent time in your presence. God, I pray that we would not be the same, that every time we get a glimpse of who you are, every time we get a, we get a glimpse of who you have called us to be, God, I pray that we would embrace it and run towards it, that we would continually surrender what we don't need in order to take up what you've called us to do. God, I pray that you would put courage inside of us just like you did Esther. She wasn't superhuman. She was willing to take a step, and we can too. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us, prompt us for where you want us to go. Give us the courage to respond to you today. I also pray for those of you who, when you sat down in whatever room you're sitting in, you would say, I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And at some point throughout today, you're feeling prompted to answer God's call on your life. 
And I would love nothing more than to make space for that today. And I wanna pray a prayer with you. And I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna ask you to stand or, or anything like that. I just wanna know who to pray for. And so wherever you are, if that's you today, will you just, with heads bowed and eyes closed, will you just slip your hand up so I see you? At all of our campuses, yep, I see you, I see you. Yes, absolutely. Is there anyone else? At every campus online, you can raise your hand. Our team will be praying for you. Just pray this prayer after me in your own words. Say, Heavenly Father, I hear you. I hear you calling to me. And I know that you love me, that you're not mad at me or disappointed in me, but that you truly care. And I'm so sorry for going my own way, for choosing my sin over you. But I surrender myself. I give it all. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would make me new, that you would cleanse me, and that you would help me to live a life worthy of the calling that I've received. I say yes to you, Jesus, all the rest of my days. And I pray for every single life, every single person under the sound of my voice. We love you today. We, God, we give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we say, come on, church, somebody said amen, amen and amen. Can you welcome some new brothers and sisters into the family?